Hello and welcome to Healing from Within. I am your host, Cheryl Glick, Reiki Master Teacher and author of my newest book in the trilogy, A New Life Awaits, Spirit Guided Insights to Global Awakening, which shares stories and messages from spirit that show us that our challenges are not merely economic, political, or societal, just a spiritual disconnect from our true being or soul wisdom. I am most delighted to welcome Chris Francoeur, author of Of Grief, Garlic, and Gratitude, a book which approaches grief with the realities and honest account of living with grief, offering healing and hope without necessarily relying on religion, formal psychotherapy, or pharmaceutical resources. A novel approach for people who struggle with mental health issues and addiction issues. Hello, Chris, and thank you for joining us on Healing From Within. Thank you. I'm so glad to join you today. Chris, as listeners of Healing From Within have come to expect over the years my guests and I answer questions about the origin of life and death, trying to find the metaphysical aspects of our dual nature as spiritual beings having a physical life to support energy and the universal source for continued expansion and creation. I believe it is through knowing more about who we are, that we can handle the challenges, joys, and opportunities for personal and collective growth and learn greater compassion and love for life. In today's episode of Healing from Within, Chris Van Kor shares a deeply moving memoir honoring her 20-year-old son, Sam, whose untimely death launched her own search to deal with the complexity of grief. Chris is the author of three romance novels using her pen name, Annabelle Rose, and lives in Addison County, Vermont, with her husband and youngest son, a small flock of alpaca. I really love those little alpaca. Chickens and several hives of bees and the rest of her family and friends. Chris, uh, I always love to ask my guests to think back to their childhood and a person remembering perhaps a person, place, or experience that might have shown them or others the lifestyle or interest they might embrace as an adult. For I feel we arrive on this planet with a time to come and go and a destiny or life plan for our soul to discover what we wanted to explore in this time and place. So think back first to your own beginnings, your own childhood. Sure. I I would say for me that person is why I write fiction under the name Annabelle Rose. My maternal grandmother was a woman who had um, been a flapper dancer, professional dancer, in, in the 20s and 30s, and then went on to be a businesswoman. And she's the woman that taught me to uh, to knit, and she gave me my first romance novel. And she absolutely exuded unconditional love and acceptance and the belief that 
that I could be whatever I wanted to be and I didn't have to conform to societal norms. And that's why I write under her name, because she was the first person that told me that I might be able to be a writer. Well, she also sounds like she was a Vitruvian woman, <laughs> a yes, woman of Mary, of many talents and soul uh, complexities. So you were very lucky to have her at the beginning of your life to help you. Now let's go on to, in the prologue of your book, you say your life is divided into two parts by a glaringly clear line. The first part was anything before October 9th, 2013, and the other, everything after. This book is about the after, uh, but let's go back and start by telling us a little bit more about yourself, your family, and then specifically your son, Sam. So, so we, you know, I've lived in Vermont now since 1976. We have a small family farm. My parents live nearby. My uh, in-laws live next door. We're a very, very tight, close family, um, very involved together, actually really love to be together as a family. And, you know, our son Sam um, had struggled with, uh, we didn't know until the last year of his life, we knew he had struggled with what we thought was depression. Um, in the end, the diagnosis actually was bipolar disorder. And what we didn't fully understand was that Sam, as he had struggled with the ups and downs of his bipolar disorder, he had started self-medicating and for a long time very successfully done so with, with marijuana in terms of being able to keep the rest of the world from knowing how he struggled. Even in that struggle, Sam was a larger-than-life light in the world, that he, he came into this world very, very, um, very sick as an infant when he was born, and yet he immediately filled a room with his ability to actively listen and open his heart to everyone he met. And on October 8th, 2013, was a beautiful, wonderful day where Sam went to see his youngest brother play soccer and was around all of his family. And unfortunately, that night, he took um, some fentanyl, a fentanyl pain patch, and he overdosed um, and died immediately. And so on the morning of October 9th, we received a call that Sam, my mother, he had died at my parents' house. My mother actually at the time worded it that they thought he was dead. They knew he was dead, but I think my mother in her own opinion yeah. thought it would be better to say thought. No. And so Sam passed away on October 9th. Well, let me just say something. Of course, he didn't do that uh, knowingly. He, no. he he did what he was used to doing to help himself feel more comfortable in his body. And with the amount uh, of problems we are having uh, in the country and worldwide uh, with addiction, all kinds of addiction, I, I believe it's partially because people don't quite understand that they're spiritual beings having a physical life and they take the outside world and all the problems 
and what we've been trained through societal and familial and um, um, all the mores of society and our teaching and through schools, what other people think to be correct for us. And when we can't uh, match what other people expect of us, we develop an anxiety and a fear. And we just want to be happy. We just want to flow from any uncomfortable situation to a feeling of peace and harmony and balance and love. And that's every living thing on the planet, every human being on this planet deals in some way with that capacity to deal with the discomfort within their physical body or from whatever it is they're challenged by and to live in the physical world that they don't quite understand because they aren't exploring their internal uh, reality and knowing Absolutely. themselves from, from an inside perspective. So this has become very common. Now, I would like to describe Sam the way you described him from the unusual qualities he had uh, that I, I read in your book. And the first thing you noticed about him was that he didn't sleep. He was very aware of everything. Well, my son was like that too when he was little, but he was colicky, but, but Sam wasn't. Uh, perhaps his soul had always known that his time would be short, so he didn't want to waste time sleeping. He loved his older brother and sister and would look at them intensely. Within a short period, he was a very early speaker. He started talking. He could talk in full sentences long before he could walk. And he would start a conversation with every person. I mean, every single person. <laughs> and I love this. When he was a toddler, he'd walk up the street, and all the people would know him. They'd say, hi, Sam. And everywhere we went with Sam, we had to keep an eye on him because he would wander off to have a conversation or meet somebody new. And he was also could be very stubborn and controlling. And now, for me, I, I was much like that. <laughs> and I, I loved it because I think he was a very advanced soul. And I think many people who have um, bipolar or uh, any depression or any form of what what is considered mental illness is really just a sensitive a sensitive soul to the environment and to the energy of the physical and spiritual world. And if they don't learn how to balance and uh, bolster themselves, protect themselves from those energies, they're easily overwhelmed. So that's how I see him. And we have other coincidences. Uh, my um, granddaughter is Samantha, and they Aww. all call call her Sam, and my grandson uh, was born on October 9th. So I always have great synchronicity with my yeah. very wonderful guests, and that's not random either, because our lives are not random. There is a grand plan and a purpose uh, to who we're meeting, and when we leave this world also, there is mm -hmm. a special purpose to that too. So while we're sad for the moment, I don't want anyone to be too sad because I want them to accept and allow and surrender to the bigger plan of the soul and to know we'll see each other again. So mm -hmm. I, I know you, is, I know you know that. But it was not something I knew 
at the time of family right. death. Right, right. It was something, and, you know, I, I often say that I have to say that that Sam's peers of his same age group, they really led the way in us understanding this. Uh, you know, both my husband and I had been raised in, in you know, traditional religious households, very traditional um, views on many things. And it was Sam's friends who started you know, showing up day and night in the house or calling or, or sending us messages that they had encountered something in their day that day or in their dreams mm-hmm. that they felt were very specific messages from Sam to us, to them, to other members of the family. And the first couple times we had this happen, we did a, this makes no sense, this is, you know, sort of silly. We'll just you were a, say yeah, thank you. You were a skeptic, you know. The first we half, were. I, I was a skeptic too. I always knew there was more, but I wasn't trained in my early life to believe in an afterlife or to think consciousness of our physical death. I studied philosophy. I studied literature. I studied history. I was seeking an understanding of something within me, my intuition. And the fact that I was always receiving insights, I'll call them, or messages, and following them because I thought it was my own good judgment, my education, you know, my good fortune. But I was always, I'm a medium, and I was always receiving messages from spirit, and I always followed them. And I always had great success and results, and I always wanted to help people. So uh, Mm -hmm. I I was a skeptic, you would say, too, until the metaphysical experiences became so vivid and clear that I had to say, well, there's much more to life than I have been ever led to believe or learn from another person. I'm learning it from my own experiences, as Mm -hmm. you you found after after Sam uh, transitioned, let's say. Yes. And and that I think is really that the we also have embraced the word transition because you know we kept having these strange things happen that we at first questioned from a sort of logical standpoint, mm-hmm. but as they grew, as the number of them and the intensity of them grew, we had to come to a recognition then a peace, and then a celebration of understanding that human existence and the energy of the soul do not end when a heart stops physically beating. And, and I talk in the book about two and a half years after Sam's death, we went to hear his favorite band in a concert. It was the first time we had seen them, them in person. Sam had always wanted us to go with him to see them and we went with our children and many of Sam's friends and it was on on Sam's birthday and it was a beautiful hot clear summer day in Vermont not a cloud in the sky and it was gorgeous and we had had many many times since Sam's death when rainbows had appeared strangely 
in times and places that had significance for Sam. And on the day Sam was born, there were many, many rainbows. And so we had sort of really embraced or really accepted the idea of rainbows signifying Sam's energy. And on this day, we're in you know 90 degree heat in the bright sun up in Burlington, Vermont. And Sam, one of Sam's dearest friends in the world, says to me, "Chris, turn around." And we turned around, and across, just all the way across the sky, in going down Lake Champlain, was this beautiful rainbow that had no scientific reason for being there because there was wasn't a cloud, there hadn't been rain. And this rainbow shimmered in the sky for 90 minutes to a point where the bands talked about it being in the sky and how odd it was. All of us that were there that day laughed, we cried, we took pictures, and we all recognized that that was Sam's way of reaching out to us on that day in that place to let us know that he was there with us. And that really, for me, in many ways, was the day that I started to understand that idea of the transition, but that a transition is not an end. No. And the rainbow and the colors of the rainbow also, they resemble the chakra system of the physical body, the chakras yes. are our connection to the spirit world, and each one is represented by different colors or energies, and each yes. one of the chakras represent different experiences that we will have in life and in spirit. And yes, sometimes when I do a reading for people, I send certain colors, and I know that part or that chakra for that soul uh, was what they were seeking to learn more about and which they're trying to share with their loved ones. So, for example, the heart would be green, and when mm -hmm. it spins very vibrantly, it turns to compassion or a pink light. And the mm -hmm. root chakra would be, the beginning chakra would be red, because that's everything about our physical life and our relationships and our schools and friends and religion. Each chakra... And so what he was showing you in that rainbow was the completeness of his soul, mm -hmm. right? If he came yeah. to you perhaps as a little light or a bubble, it might have a few colors in it. But he showed you the rainbow, uh, which was the whole part of his healthy being and spirit. Yeah. Because beyond here, we don't have the issues of this physical world. Now, in my search for the truth of this being or soul or energy and understanding energetic eternal soul essence and in my new book of transition I wrote A New Life Awaits and I wrote in regard to love and life in all realms I wrote the following I grew up in a time when there were peace movements along with world concerns for idealistic approaches to living well and where personal fulfillment was a valued commodity but always we brought the precious values of our ancestors in spirit with us. 
which positively affected our decision-making process and added to our spiritual awakening. So we must continue now to work with all aspects of our physical and spiritual lives to heal and create a world that offers hope in the face of personal or collective hardships that often make us forget our divinity and ability to live with dignity. If we begin to do what feels right from within, without judging issues as good or bad, only experiences, we will free ourselves from the many illusions that still hold us prisoners to fear and the limitations of our conditioned mind. And that's and that's what he was trying to do, Sam, from yeah. his sensitivities. He sort of knew this reality of the soul. And yeah. and he's of course guiding you in many ways and living and learning with you. Yeah. Both both there and here. So well, let's go on to you know, you talked about the funeral direct and, and how difficult uh, that whole situation was. And I've been through that, too. And what could you suggest for our listeners when they have to go through that process? I would say, again, to stay true to yourself and to the person who has who has transitioned in that... Um, you know, we kept being told, you know, well, what about flowers? And what about doing sort of the traditional things you think of in a, in a funeral or a celebration of life or however you want to name it? And Sam wasn't that guy. He wasn't the guy that was going to have wanted um, gladiolas and things like that. And so we... In the end, we decorated the meeting house with Legos because he loved Legos and garlic and hot peppers because he loved growing them. And we embraced the idea that it was a celebration of Sam, not a celebration of what society feels you should do in those moments. And that was difficult for some of our relatives who wanted the more traditional And we, you know, even down to the music, um, Sam and several of his friends had written a song entitled Kosher Gelatin, and they were very proud of it. And we played that, and we played um, songs that Sam liked and that mattered to him and to the people who loved him and love him still. And that was exactly what he saw when he watched you at yes. his own funeral and he did of that I am sure you know you just mentioned gladiolas <laughs> and I'm very amused because when I was starting on my work many many years ago my aunt came through with a medium and the medium said to me your aunt Gladys is showing the gladiola, the gladiola flower and she's saying that it's a very hardy flower and even when one stalk comes off at the end at the bottom the plant still grows and beautiful flowers can mm-hmm. continue to 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 grow and and reach for the sky and that's how i think of life that's how i think of sam and everyone we love who is uh, has transitioned that they're still continuing 
And she that was, that was the message she gave me at a time when I was first learning about all this. So I just wanted to, to share that with That's you. That's beautiful. Yeah, I, I think of it. You know, you think something breaks away and it's done. Everything's done. But it's not. It's hardy and we're hardy. And we continue to reach for the light and to grow our spirit grows to reach higher and higher into dimensions beyond this physical world. So I, I think that's so. You say that there are ways to heal beyond religion, formal psychotherapy, or pharmaceutical resources. Can you tell us something about that? For for me and, you know, as I've been on this journey, the the way that I found that worked and I've shared now with many others is the idea of daily conscious and deliberate expressions of gratitude and that it's looking at life in a daily experience that no matter how difficult things are that there is always something in that day for which we can be grateful and you know for example, it might be that, um, you know, there are blueberries on the blueberry bush to pick, and isn't that a joy to be able to have fresh fruit? Or that, frankly, you have a cold and a runny nose, but you have the soft tissues, so your nose doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was in such a dark, dark place after Sam's death that What I did was I actually wrote my daily gratitude and posted it on Facebook. And it was a way for me to keep, you know, reaching for that light, reaching out and saying, even though I am as broken as I've ever been, I still believe there are, there's good in the world, there is Mm -hmm. light in the world, there is reason to hope. And as I reached out with these, sometimes they were profound statements about things and sometimes it was the Swiss chard last night was really good whatever it was that people began to respond with wow you know I was feeling pretty sorry for myself today but when I thought about what you said you know here are the things that happened to me today for which I can be grateful and it really is that that momentum of that daily practice and just over a year ago, uh, my husband, Sam's dad, was diagnosed with ALS, with Lou Gehrig's disease. And I went into a very dark place again and then had to come back around and say, okay, you believe in the practice of daily gratitude. It's time, And I had practiced gratitude throughout that time. But I did a, if you really believe this helps, it's time to refocus. Yes. And I did. And that same return of light and hope happened. Well, I think what you were doing, and which is the right thing to do, was holding God and faith and trust and love and compassion and this understanding of universal source in your heart, holding God as um, your guardian, yeah, or grace. Yes. And it's, yes. and it's exactly the only way to get through 
all these sadnesses of the physical world, and there are so, so many. But you did it right. You did it beautifully. And I thank you very thank much you. for sharing that journal of gratitude because that's what we have to keep, a journal, if not physically written, which it's nice to do. Keep it in our thoughts. Always have our thoughts reaching for the positive, no matter how dark it gets. And you have learned or always known how to do it. And I, I, I want to thank you, Fra Chris Francoeur, for your sensitive, honest, and hopeful story of the loss of your son, Sam, a young man who was in his own way practical, loved life, but got caught up in the confusion of the teenage years and life that was challenging and changing so rapidly through these modern technological times of social media, judgment, perhaps false realities in relationship to what our soul truly yearns for. And of course, the confusion of these troubling times and his diagnosis of bipolar were hard for Sam to understand and the family and all of us to understand. To read a truly sensitive tale of life for all our young people of these times, go to www.authorkfrankcore.com. In summarizing today's episode of Healing from Within, we have shared probably the most challenging and difficult experience a family can go through, and that is the loss of a child. In this case, Sam, who was a sensitive, much-loved part of his family, friends, and community, and who, like all of us, looked to move past pain, anxiety, or fear to feel joyful, peaceful, and to be happy. Addiction and drug or alcohol abuse is often a way, as we discussed earlier, that people try to subdue their feelings of discomfort in their body through self-medicating, through that approach. If we think of life as a series of experiences, not good or bad, just part of an individual's life destiny or plan that the soul has chosen before even being born, then we may not judge or deny what must happen and will know that each soul is born with a time to come and a time to go and then be in eternal life where learning, love, and personal growth continue. Chris writes an interesting insight about alpacas who for some reason mean eternal life for me. And she wrote, Alpacas understand death and sickness in a way that is hard to explain unless you have witnessed it. When an alpaca is getting sick, the others will comfort and support him around the clock, sometimes not eating so their friend is not alone. We have watched them stay awake for hours, keeping Buddy company, and even after death, they will stay with the body and protect it. Their understanding of cycles of life and death has helped shape mine. These beautiful animals show us kindness and empathy in a way we all could understand. Chris and I would have you open your heart and mind beyond the sadness, beyond the loss, and remember the soul and energy of those you love who are in spiritual life smiling, loving, and enjoying the process of eternal creation and growth. Nothing is ever lost, just transition to another dimension of energy and life.
I am Cheryl Glick, host of Healing From Within and author of my newest book in a trilogy, A New Life Awaits. Please go to my website, CherylGlick.com, to read about and listen to authors and leaders in the metaphysical, scientific, spiritual, medical, psychological, and the arts and music fields explore the nature of life and eternal energy for personal growth and for a better world. Shows may also be heard on webtalkradio.net and dreamvision7radio.com. Thank you.